Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Three guys, three decades, three perspectives. Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Me and My Cousins podcast. As always, I am Angelo Gingerelli, and I am flying solo tonight, uh, which I'm not too mad about. I'm going to miss Michael and Kenny, but I think our guest is going to more than fill their shoes. And by shoes, you'll see what I mean. As always, this episode is brought to you by Bean Mug and Coffee Co. It's a small batch coffee company out of Point Pleasant, New Jersey. They feature unique plants inspired from the Jersey Shore, and every month they feature a single origin coffee from around the world. For the month of October, they just introduced Pumpkin Spice Coffee, Bean Mug and Coffee Co. is giving our listeners 10% off all coffee. Visit BeanMugandCoffeeCo.com and enter promo code COUSINS10, that's C-O-U-S-I-N-S-1-0, at checkout. Bean Mug and Coffee Co., the roast from the coast. I'm now to now our guest for the week. You're going to see what I mean by he's going to fill Michael and Kenny's shoes fine. Uh, Michael is probably out of Porta already because it's a Thursday night. Uh, Kenny is probably swiping left and right on Tinder as I'm doing this this interview, but uh, I don't think they're going to care that they missed this episode because I'm the I'm the sneaker guy on the podcast. From as far as I could tell, Michael buys the sneakers at Kohl's, and Kenny wore any pair of Vans he finds on a clearance rack. Obviously, you take the sneaker game a little more seriously. But you've ever seen me do do stand up or any of my YouTube stuff, or just see me out and about in the streets of the Jersey Shore, I try to always have a good good pair on. I keep my daughter uh, laced the same way I do. And uh, early in October, she was on our first episode, and we listed what we're excited about in October, and we were super pumped up for Boktober. And what that means is for the entire month of October, we only wear Reebok. So you wear the pumps, you wear the Iversons, you wear the Club C's, any kind of Reeboks are good. Um, and it's a really cool little community online of Reebok collectors and Reebok sneakerheads that get out all their best Reeboks for the entire month of October. And we're going to knock out October with one of the probably the best Reebok guest ambassador collector that I know in my personal life. And I'm super excited he's doing a show with us tonight. He's got over 650 pairs of Reeboks. In 2009, he was featured on Sneaker Freaker as the biggest Reebok collector in the world. His collector has grown exponentially since then. He's a streetwear legend in Monmouth County. He's got ties to every cool streetwear boutique at the Jersey Shore, and he's been in the game for close to 20 years. Without further ado, what's going on, DJ Senator? What's up, bud? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. Um, we've got to know each other for, for a long time. And I think you have an incredibly interesting story. And you were one of the, you know, now when we talk about streetwear, everybody knows Supreme, and we know that the track props and we know you know that that kind of thing right i feel like you were involved in that super early as early as probably the early 2000s maybe in the late 90s how do you where do you grow up what schools did you go to and how do you get involved in, in the streetwear game and the sneaker world the way you are now i grew up in my whole life woodbridge forge new jersey uh i live in uh middletown now i went to uh private high school in st joe's and then i went to seton hall and, real, real, yeah. Real quick, when you were in private high school, did you have to wear a uniform? Yeah. Could you, wear, could, could you wear any sneakers you wanted? No. Nope. Okay. Because my Brown daughter has to wear a uniform. My daughter has to wear a uniform to her school, but they can wear any sneakers they want. Okay. So I go hard on getting her the best sneakers because their other, you know, extra clothes are mandated by the school. But yeah. I feel like if you can only have like one piece of personal kind of flair on you, you might as well kill it with that. So I thought maybe that's where the sneaker obsession came from with you. But go ahead, man. Go back to your, your bio. Yeah, it was. Um, no, you had to wear dress shoes, shirt and tie or a polo. Uh, there was a St. Joe's polo shirt. So you got away with the tie with that. And um, I went from Seton Hall and then I opened 
the store I opened Rare Breed in 07. So pretty much two years, maybe, after I graduated college. Nice, man. It t- I, I was one of the first, I wouldn't say I was one of the first, but I was I was one of the, I was an early customer. You know, I was shopping as early as 08. I went there for the first time with a mutual friend of ours named Josh Berg, one of, one of my best friends in the world. Shout out to him. And then uh, I just, I ended up moving to Long Branch and stopping by the store all the time. Explain Rare Breed to everybody that wasn't maybe around streetwear in the mid-2000s, early 2010s. So Rare Breed was uh, me and my business partner, Steve Perry. Uh, He had the store already not built out. He was just going to open a store. And I met him through a mutual friend. One of my good friends in high school was his best friend in college. And he linked us up. So I didn't know Steve at all until like we just we met and we were going to start a business. so I came on board, we did the build out in Long Branch and went from there. So we were pretty much one of the first uh, streetwear stores, definitely sneaker stores. There was always what Steve 19 was it in Long Branch on the corner of Brighton and he carried like 10 deep. Okay. Um, um, but then you guys went a little further because you had the hundreds early, you had diamond supply. Oh, yeah. Early. We, we, um, yeah. So he kind of left. And then, yeah, we opened up in 2007, in May 2007. And yeah, we went through everything. So streetwear wise, it was like Crooks and Castles, The Hundreds, Ten Deep, Undefeated, Stussy. Um, We did Married to the Mob for Women's. And then footwear was like, at the time, we couldn't get opened with anybody because we were new. So it was like Creative Wreck, Ed Hardy, Levi's. We had an Adidas account. And then we got a Reebok account. Um, and then from there, it snowballed. We ended up with like Puma. We did Supra. Later on, we did Nike. Uh, pretty much everybody. Did Adidas own Reebok at that point, or are they still no. two separate companies? Two separate companies. Okay, cool. Um, and then, I guess, how have you seen the streetwear game change, particularly at the Jersey Shore, since you guys opened? There's definitely more... There's more places to get that stuff now, and the internet is a completely different thing right now than it was 15 years ago. Um, but how have you seen it change and kind of evolve over the last, say, 10 to 15 years? Yeah, it's definitely – I didn't get into it really until I had the store. That's when I started really getting into all those brands. But it was big. Like, 07, 08, I remember selling Crooks and Castles and, and 10 Deep like crazy. I remember selling certain t-shirts we had on eBay, like 100 bucks a pop for a t-shirt that cost me like $12. Um, the hundreds was huge then. The Atom Bomb, like New Eras would sell for like 150, 200 bucks. Uh, it was good for, I would say, it was really big for like two or three years. And then we moved to Red Bank in, I want to say, 2009, and it was still good, but we cut a lot. Like, it was, we kept Stussy, Undefeated, and, like, 10 Deep, and that was it, because it wasn't really the t-shirt, the the real matchy mat. Remember when it was real, like, you matched your hat and your shirt to your shoes, to yeah, your watch? Definitely. That was, like, that kind of ended and it went to more of like cut and sew. So it was like button downs and a little more grown. Um, and now, I mean, I just think fat, I don't know. I mean, everybody hates their word streetwear, I guess, but 
I mean, I just think fashion now is just kind of a, a whole different game. Like, I just think it's cool. You can wear anything at this point. Like, you can wear whatever you want, and it, it's fine. It's like a cool. It's cool to be different. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it's kind of like a cool time. Yeah, there's one, really no rules. One thing as an outsider that I was there were so many creative brands in that era that all kind of came out at the same time, right? And they were doing yeah. like super cool designs. The, the clothes fit differently than maybe the the t-shirts and khakis that came out before them. But it was kind of limited to. Like the cool kids thought these five or six brand cool cool kid brands were cool, and they didn't really want to mess around with anything else, right? And I see mm-hmm. kids today being way more open minded, right? Like you might wear you might see a kid wear a Supreme T-shirt on Monday, and on Tuesday wear a vintage Metallica Contra T-shirt, and on a Wednesday wear a button down that's for like a looks like for a forty year old dad, and that kid has no problem putting the other three outfits together. Whereas back in that that era, on Monday you're wearing your Blue Hundreds T-shirt, on Tuesday you're in your black hundreds t-shirt and on wednesday you were in your white hundreds t-shirts would you agree with that that kids are just way more open to different things and, and different styles now than they were 10 15 years yeah ago? yeah for sure for the most part they're open to a lot of stuff i mean there's now i mean the streetwear brands are you know what it is too it was i think they kind of stopped spending the money on it you know once that like i mean the economy crashed what like oh seven oh eight Right. People in general just stop. I mean, you, you're talking those 10 deep and hundreds, th- those hoodies were 120, 150 bucks. And people just kind of stopped spending that money for a while and went, it went to like a more basic, everything was more basic. Um, and now I think now it's kind of flipped too, though. I mean, people are spending $500 on a hoodie, a thousand dollars resale on a hoodie, you know? But again, it's there's th- those brands that it used to be how many independent brands there were. I mean, me coming from having the store, I would get emails and phone calls five a day of some independent brand that was starting up, you know, and it right. was always like, oh, we're we're kind of like 10 deep. And it's like, dude, you lost already right there. I don't need another 10 deep. Right. We already, you know? we already have 10 deep. We don't yeah. need another 10 deep. And that's all. I mean, these kids would come to me and say like, oh, what can we do to get in your store? We're starting up a clothing brand. I'd honestly be like, don't do it. Right. Like, don't do it. I, till this day, you're talking, I opened that, we, we opened in 2007. It's 2020. So it's 13 years. I have yet to see an independent brand come to me with something. And I was like, that's cool. I'll put it in the store. Yeah, it's, it's weird, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a big, big follow your dreams kind of guy. Like, I never tell mm-hmm. young people not to pursue something they want to pursue. But I, that, that stat is very telling, right? It's been 13 years, and we haven't seen anybody really pop off. And then every time I see a T-shirt that I think is really cool and different, it's usually like some kind of novel that I don't think has a has a has any staying power you know what i mean it's kind of like oh that's a cool like say right now we're in the middle of a presidential election that's like a funny donald trump t-shirt but i wouldn't necessarily put put in an investment that brand being around after donald trump's not funny anymore you know what i mean yeah there like i said there's been a couple brands where they've had you know yeah like one t-shirt that was that was good and i'll be like all right i'll take i remember there was a yankee t-shirt uh Back when we were in Long Branch, and it, I forget the brand, but it was uh, the Steinfather tea. Nice. Okay. And so it was like him with the Godfather letters. It was like a whole Yankee thing. That was cool. But rarely, 
rarely do they have staying power. You know, it might be they have two things you can order and then you'll never hear from them again. Right. And now how does how does the sneaker game and the Reebok collection tie into all of this for you? How, when does when does Reebok come into your life and when does this, this collection get get rolling, really? So Reebok, I started buying pumps. Uh, they retroed them. I want to say it was like 2001. I think I think it was like a fresh I was like freshman in college and they had a couple of Omni lights at Foot Locker and I bought all of them. I don't I think it was like three or four pairs. I still have a couple of I think I still have almost everyone but one color. And um, I just would pick up a few here and there. I remember being at Seton Hall in the dorms. I was still buying a lot of Jordans. I was mainly all Jordans. And I started buying random pumps here and there. And then we opened the store. And we got Reebok. So I started, I was ordering two of each. So I'd wear one, I'd save one. And then Jordans just were like retroing like crazy. Like I, Concords and Cool Grays, all those, all those were retroing. And the retros, so my retros would be from like 2001, like Jordans. And like, I was going heavy with Jordans starting in high school. So late nineties. and the retros coming out in like the mid 2000s were reselling for more than the 99 2000s that I had. So I was like, this is kind of, this, this isn't, this doesn't make sense. So my business partner was like, do the pumps because nobody's doing it. Because Jordan wise, I mean, you weren't going to get known collecting Jordans. Like all these dudes had player editions and all these samples. And I was like, I didn't have any of that. I had some crazy stuff, but nothing like that. So I was like, maybe that's a pretty smart move. So I sold, I had 200 pairs of Jordans. So I sold them all. And then I just started buying pumps like crazy. Okay. So you flipped 200 pairs of Jordans into about a hundred pairs of pumps. It sounds like early on. And then you just kept kind of, that kept snowballing. And eventually we're at 650 pairs and probably the biggest Reebok pump collector in the world at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, man. That, that, and I, I'm, I'm in a weird spot sneaker wise because I'm, I'm older than you and my real, but the, I ever wanted and couldn't have and it like it triggered that you want what you can't have thing when I was a little kid I wanted the black and red Puma Clyde low top and suede and they only made them in like men's sizes and I had mm-hmm. a kid size foot and I had to wait that out and my mom was awesome she got me the small size they had as soon as I could get them and I, and I wore them every day which is phenomenal and then the next time that that sneaker bug got me when I was in seventh grade, the Reebok pump, Reebok pump twilight zone came out in kid sizes. And I was like, Oh, I, I gotta have that. And again, my mom came through, got them for me for back to school shopping. And I wore them like every day of seventh grade. I still have that pair. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're obviously too beat up and too small at this point to ever wear again. But Reebok pumps to me, have, I've always had like a very, it's almost like, like being a fan of like an indie band or a TV show. Nobody else is watching. Like everybody likes Jordans. Everybody likes dunks. Everybody likes air force ones, but I feel like Reebok pumps are such a small community of collectors. And I have less than 10 pairs. So I'm nowhere near on your level, but I feel like it's, it's a cool kind of vibe on Instagram. And even in real life, when you see somebody wearing pumps, you kind of give them the mm-hmm. nod. Uh, actually on a couple Saturdays ago, me and my daughter were walking at the, um, at the Jack, the outlets at the Jersey Shore premium outlets. Mm-hmm. And I had the, court victory twos on that I bought from rare breed back in the day. And this guy was well with his family. He had Jordans on. He just gave me a look. It's like nice shoes, bro. And like, there's a guy that gets it. He understands. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which kind of, you know, like that nod is to some extent why, why we do what we do to having that, that kind of connection with other sneakerheads. But um, right. 
why do you think it's such a small community, right? To me, when the I, I remember the pump coming out in 1989, it was like the biggest thing ever. And then they had such a good run, right? They had mm-hmm. the shacks, they had the tennis ball ones that I'm gonna talk about a little bit later. They had the cross trainers. They were the D Brown was an iconic moment, obviously winning the slam dunk contest, pumping up before he did the dunk. Um, but they don't have the same kind of following that like Jordans or Air Force Ones have or so many other kind of niche sneakers. Why do you think Plum's, besides for a handful of guys like me and you, don't have that same following? I just think it's, I mean, Jordan, Nike and Jordan is so big and now Yeezys are so big. It's, they just don't have, it's hard. It's like, they just don't have it. They don't right. have like, they tried to sign all these rappers and they sign them to these deals that are not even like year deals. And it's pretty much just they they'll pay them what they what they have to pay them to they'll wear some stuff on Instagram or here and there and try to get these young kids and they just don't last. They're pretty much there for the money. And I mean, the longest person was future probably on Reebok and he might have lasted a year. Yeah. And they just don't, I don't know. They just can't grab, they don't have a good basketball shoe. They don't have a good basketball program. They don't, they have one, they have one person on like really like who's wearing Reeboks on court now. And he's wearing like cool stuff, uh, like some cool questions, but they don't have anybody. So they went to these rappers and I mean, they had Kendrick, but they lost Kendrick to Nike. I mean, he had a couple good shoes out, but that's it. Yeah, it, it's always weird to me because it seems like they're, they're trying to follow the same model that Nike and Adidas have, right? Which you kind of said it. They're leaning heavily into nostalgia and bringing back the retro shoes you remember, the Shaqs, mm-hmm. the Iversons, whatever, the Sean Kemp's, whatever it might be. And then they're linking with rappers the same way Adidas has with Kanye and the same way Nike has with Travis Scott. But it's just, it's not sticking. Like, like you said, they're not holding on to them long enough to make a make a full line. Like they did a shoe with Kendrick and six months later, later Kendrick had a pair of Nikes out. Um, right. they, have, they have a shoe coming out this month with Cardi B, who's arguably the most famous female rapper on the planet. And like you have no confidence that that's going to continue. There's not going to be a Cardi B 2 from Reebok. And I think that kind of hurts the brand where, you know, like when, when Travis Scott makes his own version of a Jordan one, that's like a thing. That's an event. And he's going to do another yeah. one. Whereas this feels like she's going to put him out. And they're going to be a TJ Maxx next month, which is yeah, not a, they, an ideal thing. Yeah, it's they just don't have. They've not done a signature shoe for anybody that's worked. I mean, like I said, uh, Future had a Fury Kazi, which was like a Insta Pump Fury mixed with a Kamikaze. That yep. was the retail was like two fifty. Like there, nobody's buying those. Right. And I remember what we did a. I, I went to a Reebok event, and he they went hard for. Um, I can't think of the shoe. It was like a new runner. Um, it was, they, I, I know what that's called. It escapes me too, but I could actually picture it in my head right now. I have them and I'm just trying to think of where they are, but they, they, they went hard with this. They were flying like dudes from Hypebeast and sneaker news. They had a, a huge plane that they were flying everybody to these events. And then the night of the party in New York, they were flying everybody back to go to this party and including future. He walked from the front of the store to the back of the store, singing, like rapping and with like a whole entourage around him and then walked out the, the back door. And that was it. Right. It was like 
two and a half minutes, and I and I don't know, I don't know if it's true, but I heard they paid him like over two hundred grand just for that. Yeah, man, that's that's, then, a, that's good money if you make it. And he like it's weird. I still see him every so often doing some stuff for Reebok, but it's like it's very random. Uh, Cardi B, her shoes sold out. It was only okay, it was so women's, good. but it sold out. But yeah, there's just like no staying power. Um, the retros. The retros were good. They're still they still sell decent depending on what they do. It's just that that style's not it's not in style right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the pumps, a high a high top basketball shoes not they're it's not what people are wearing. They're wearing runners. Yeah, and I think one thing I think that it really helped Adidas out this past decade. And you're you're an expert, so tell me if I'm wrong on this. They made a bunch of shoes in a row when the boost as technology just came out that looked perfect with joggers and skinny jeans right when everybody was wearing joggers and skinny jeans right um right. i feel like if we were still wearing you know 36 inch waist you know baggy levi 501s reebok pumps would be more relevant now um right. the other thing i think that it hurts them a little bit is a lot of those like, like michael jordan is an all-time great player in a way you can't argue right um mm-hmm. Their signature guys like Iverson, Kemp, to some extent Shaq, they don't. They were great players with great careers, but they haven't stayed in the public eye the same way Michael Jordan has, or at least the, the jump man has become part of our culture in the right. way those other logos j- just haven't for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and really, and for his fame, I think Shaq's great. I think he's funny. I think he's incredibly entertaining. He's one of my one of my favorite you know, entertainers out there. But it's weird that you don't automatically associate him with Reebok the way you do Michael Jordan and Nike, right? Right. Um, yeah, it's, they don't really have, like, I would say, I mean, Iverson and Shaq are, like, the biggest names, but they, again, it's a, the Shaq, I love the Shaq attack, it's just a big bulky shoe that, yeah, you're not wearing with skinny jeans or joggers, I still wear them with shorts and whatnot, and then, quest the question is still a, a big shoe, I mean, it still sells out, depending on what they do with it, um, but yeah, it's it's tough, and that's kind of why I like Reebok too. Is it's still not, you know, it's that low, it's it's under the radar. And, uh, and one thing I like about it too, about being under the radar, is you can get the releases without sleeping outside a store or camping out on your phone on on sneakers.com. Right. And it's and some of the some of the drops you catch on a clearance rack sometimes. Like this past summer when the Mount Wall reopened, I got a pair of Re-MX, uh, DMX Run Tens for thirty dollars. Um, yeah. That's a shoe that at the t- in the late 90s was probably a hundred sticker price. Now I think they came back out at 130, and I got yeah. them a hundred dollars cheaper than that, um, just because apparently Fort Locker couldn't figure out how to sell them. So I think that's that doesn't necessarily happen. Like you're not getting an Air Max 95 from Nike at 30 dollars anyway. No, no. I mean they buy ba- they buy back most of that stuff to sell in the outlets. But yeah, and that's what I like about Reebok too, because I mean, to, for me, I love all the stuff. I, I'm right now. I I still buy pumps when I when I find some that i don't have just for the collection but i wear all the runners i wear i mean maybe mainly i wear like classics uh cls ventilators but what i like yeah is you find some some like oh it might be a collab that i was like "Ah, i don't really i didn't really need at the time and then i'll catch it at the outlet for like dirt cheap go ahead i'm sorry no and i that's like i'm like oh this is awesome like oh i'll pick it up now which is, it's bad that you kind of think that way. Cause to be honest, that's another thing that hurts Reebok is a lot of these guys, like I'm on all like the, like uh, I do the team Reebok on Instagram and there's a couple of Facebook groups. A lot of these dudes are just like, Oh, I'll wait for it to hit the, I'll wait for it to go on sale. 
Yeah. And that's like a bad look for me. I'll just, if, if I like it and I want it, I just buy it. You know, if, if I'm not crazy about it, I'll be like, Oh yeah, it'll probably go on sale and or I'll catch it on eBay somewhere. But that's a bad look when your brand is the dudes who love your brand are like, Oh, wait for it to go on sale. Yeah, no, that's not. A, if your super fans are waiting for you to be on the clearance rack, there's some kind of disconnect between you and those fans, obviously. Right. Um, My whole real, thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. With 650 pairs, how many more pumps are there out there that you don't have? When you just still buy something and really like it for the collection, are you close to the getting to the end of that rabbit hole, or are there still so many more pairs out there? Dude, there's some. You know what it was? There's a lot of originals. Like those late 80s, early 90s, they were putting out a lot of stuff. And you can't find, for me, the original stuff, I need to be unworn, like pristine condition. For the most part, a lot of them hold up pretty well. Uh, But I won't buy anything that's like already cracking or anything like that. So it's mainly if I find like an original, I'll, uh, that's where I'm looking for mainly. And then I'll find some random retros that I just didn't buy. Or I went through lulls, kind of like when the store closed. I went through like, oh, I'm just not buying. I wasn't into it. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I was going through it, it. It went through, there was like, just even when I had the store, it would be like, oh, I'm not really into this right now. You know, there's really nothing, you know, you'd go through like six months. When I closed the store, it went for like a year or two where I just was like, I'm not into this anymore. And then when I started working at Branded, I got like, you get a, you get a kick. And then I was buying everything that i had not bought the last two years right and that you know that what happens is i end up finding something or something you know i'm on i search ebay and everything every day so you end up finding something that i'm like oh dude i can't believe i found this and that just kind of gets your juices flowing again and you're like back into it hardcore yeah, man, I'll tell you what, man, as a guy, we're, we're, both, we're both dads, we both have, have jobs and stuff like that, houses, we're living that adult, but that that rush is powerful, man, it really is. It when hasn't you, stopped. Yeah, I, I, I almost, I kind of sometimes wish it would stop so I could put my money into some better investments, but that that rush, when, like, I'll be honest, when I was in sixth grade, there was a first Reebok, Reebok pump commercial uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I was at my grandmother's house and it came on TV. I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. How do I get these sneakers? And now when I'm on Instagram and I see a, a Reebok, sometimes I have the exact same reaction as I did 30 years ago, which I think is pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm. that's what it is. It's like this rush doesn't end. It's like I, as many pairs of shoes as I have, I end up coming across something that I'm like, I don't have that. Like, I've never seen that. And that just brings you all the way back. And now, like you said, we have kids. So my now it's, I want to buy stuff for me, but I'm buying, you know, I'm buying shoes for them constantly for yeah, what. Man. And I always say like, for what they're just, they destroy this stuff. Right. But like I said, I just bought each of them. Like, I think I just bought each of them last week, three pairs of, I buy them the, uh, it's the Insta pump fury for kids. It's called the Versa pump. Yep. And it's just the easiest shoe. It's a slip on and it looks That's great. Cool That's a win. It looks cool. Cause their feet are so small. And dude, I buy them like crazy when I can get them. So now it's like, now it's onto them. And they, they come down here and they look through all the stuff and they know the boxes. And, you know, I'm like, you know, as you get older, these are, these are all the years. Yeah. That's it. That's uh, one move I'll, I'll share with all the dads out there. I, if I'm in a sneaker store and I see a cool kid shoe, even if it's a couple sizes too big on sale, I'll buy it. And just be like, she'll grow into it. If she doesn't mm-hmm. like it, we'll, we'll 
you know, give it away or give it as a gift or something. But um, because, you know, kids shoes obviously don't sell out usually the way adult shoes do. So if you can catch a Jordan or a Reebok pump or something or an Insta pump, a super cheap um, and you got to wait a year to wear it. What, what's the difference? You know, it, oh, it yeah. it's cool the, again in a year or two down the road. I, I have stuff for I have stuff for uh, my four and a half year old up until I'm trying to think. I have stuff for him that he'll fit in like fourth grade. Oh, wow. No, you're really thinking ahead for the future. You know, the stuff that like comes to me or like, you know, somebody gives them to me or I get a a good deal on and I'll just stash them away. And then I have a two and a half year old. So anything that doesn't fit, you know, my four and a half, they only wear them for so long. Then he gets them. So now his closet's stacked. Nice. Um, Moving on from that, man, what do you see? I want to talk to you about the future of Reebok and then the future of kind of the sneaker streetwear game in general. I know mm-hmm. right now on, on the financial you know, outlets, Adidas is, I think, looking to sell Reebok, so that's going to be a big change. What do you see Reebok doing in the next, let's say, five years? We're now in 2025. What do you, what do you see happening? Dude, I don't know, man. I, I would like uh, – so in my little the Team Reebok group, we were talking about it. Some people think it's not a great thing for Adidas to be selling them because Adidas is so big. Mm-hmm. I think it's better because I just think, I mean, at the end of the day, they were competitors. So now you're you're bought by your competitor. And again, I, we none of us know how like the ins and outs of these huge corporations work. But I was I would just think they're holding them back at some. You know what I mean? Well, it's you almost know, like if Adidas has a Yeezy drop in this week, why would they put out a, a bananas colorway of the Interpump Fury that's going to compete with it to some extent, right? Right. Would, you, and if we I, know right now Adidas is a hotter company, are you better off just shelving the Reeboks and, and focusing on Adidas right now? It seems like that's their business model to me anyway. Yeah, I just don't see it. Uh, I mean, I just think it's a it's a better it's a better deal if somebody else buys them up that whether it's another footwear company or not. I mean, I, I think I read somewhere that like van, the company it's, I think it's called VF outdoor that they own vans yep. um, was looking to buy them maybe, but I just think anybody that's not in that athletic, if you can get another footwear company, that's not an athletic footwear company to right. and Reebok buy becomes them. your flagship in the athletic footwear company. Then I think right. you got something, you know what I mean? Um, right. But you got Adidas and Reebok. And I mean, I mean, and look, uh, uh, the the boost came with with Adidas, and I mean that blew for what a year or two, and then, you know, now they're kind of trying to f- figure out what their next thing is. But they have Kanye, so it's not really a big, it's not really a worry for them. But I just think it'd be, be- I th- I just think it'd be better if if they sold it and it was just a n- not an athletic footwear company that bought them. Right. But I don't think they're going anywhere. Right. It's just I don't know. I don't know where they make it's got to be classics where they make most of their money. I mean, they're done with CrossFit. CrossFit was big for them for a while. I think they were making a lot of money through that. Uh, But now CrossFit's done. UFC is done, I believe. Um, So I don't know where they go from here, but the classics is is doing well. And it's even I'm even seeing it sells well. Um, It sells well online. There's a lot of stuff that sells out. Um, they're doing cool stuff. They got some good designers over there. I mean, they got that Ghostbusters stuff coming out this weekend. Uh, I think things like that set them apart. They've been, you know, they do some good out there collabs and they sell well. It's just not like a resale brand. Like 
it's a love brand. Like people are like, oh, you buy all these shoes and they're not even worth anything. Yeah. It's oh, like, well, I'm gonna see. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Like, well, I don't do it for that. I don't care that they're not going to be worth anything. I still have stuff that's worth stuff. I still have like Reeboks that are worth a lot of money, but that's not what I do it for. Right. I'm gonna say two things, and this is as a fan of Reebok. The two things I think that would would help them, whoever buys them out next, whatever the next business model is. I'm a big fan of Reebok. I'm a big fan of Ghostbusters. Right. So that shoe that's coming out on Halloween is directly in my wheelhouse to buy. Right. I, and, I, and I follow every sneaker Instagram. I get the Reebok emails. I'm as into the latest in the sneaker as you can. I only found out about that shoe about a week ago, right? Okay. I feel like if they've got a Halloween shoe dropping, you should probably start promoting it in August and, and build the anticipation to where it gets to be October 31st. And a guy like me that loves that movie and loves that silhouette of a sneaker has to buy it, you know? Yeah. And I feel like they don't build anticipation enough. And the other thing is, and this might have gotten better recently, their website isn't great. Because I remember back in 2013 uh, when the, the first Shack Attacks came out, the white ones, right? I mm-hmm. went online at whatever time they dropped. It said I had them. I got an email like two hours later that said I didn't get them. They were sold out. But in those two hours, instead of trying to get the shoes somewhere else, I just went about my day thinking they were on the way to being delivered to my house, right? Right. Um, and then th- that weekend, you guys actually get, got me a pair and I was able to buy them from you guys. But if I didn't know, know you and Steve, there's no way I'd have those shoes down. They're my favorite sneakers of all time. But like, I think there's got to be a better system that when you have something hot that's going to sell out let people know they didn't get it so they can go about yeah. another means to get it um i think like they're almost not set up for success in that way the way nike and adidas are where it's automatic whether or not the sale went through or not that's just two things i think that would help yeah we we crushed that release i think we had like 140 pairs of those um, yeah, man. That, well, I, I think is that that was one of the, at the at the time it had been 20 years where that shoe, had, to my knowledge, had never been retroed, right? So yeah. for for me, like they came out my freshman year in high school, I didn't get them then, and then I kind of had them in the back of my mind for 20 years. And I was in my early 30s. I had, I had a job. I had some money. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm definitely getting that shoe. Um, and luckily you guys, you know, hooked me up with it, which obviously helped me now, out a lot. Now they have. I don't know if it's for every shoe. It might be. I mean, I buy a lot of stuff on there, but they have a um, a countdown. You have like 10 minutes oh, nice. for something in your cart. But I don't know if that's for like the limited stuff. Uh, because even lately with, uh, I don't know if it was the pandemic, but these bots were even getting Reeboks. Like okay. I, they were botting Reeboks website for shoes. And then... To the point where within a half hour, almost every size was listed on eBay for sale for trying to get some crazy prices. And then you wait like a week or two and nobody buys them. And they all you pretty much get them for retail within a week or two, either on eBay or StockX. So I don't know what it was. It's still happening, but I don't know if it's the pandemic and people are just trying to make some money, but they're botting Reebok now. And I mean, okay. they bought everything. I think Nike still like, these bots are crazy. They yeah, were man. botting. I was that at the store when, um, with Branded. They are so sophisticated that we were allowed to sell uh, we're allowed to sell Nike online now until January because stores were closed and this and that. So we were listing, so we do our releases online and the bots were shutting down the website to the point where we had to pay our web guys. We shut down the whole, their whole system. Like everybody's website got shut down because of how many people 
were going to the store to get these dunks. And then I ended up, so the way the website was working was I can put up a product. So if I'm not there, I put it into draft. Okay. And if, when I go to put it on, to put it live, I just publish it and it goes live. So what I did is on a Friday, I put this product into draft. I put it into publish for a minute just to check it on the website to make sure everything were, was looking the way it should. Mm-hmm. I got three orders in less than a minute for this product that nobody even knew. I was just testing it. Right. So I emailed, I canceled the orders. I emailed the guys. I'm like, you know, this product isn't live. You know, I just canceled your order. And he goes, oh, I have it set up where I get notified anytime anything on your website changes. And it just like auto purchases. Dude, it's a, it's a crazy world we live in right now, especially somebody who grew up in the 90s. In the 90s, you thought about getting robbed for your shoes, like some big goon came, hit you on the head, took them off your feet because they might be the same size as him. And now it's like the opposite. It's like nerdy smart kids are the ones that mm-hmm. have kind of broken the internet and are getting releases before everybody else. The world is completely flipped. And now we're like these internet internet goons are able to kind of control the market in a way where back in the day you had to be more, more physical about it if you're going to going to do that yeah. but it's obviously a strange time to live um yeah, that being it's said, not fun yeah it's really it's really not because i always think like, I, I like the internet as much as anybody else but like that rush of going in a store and buying a pair you've been waiting to come out that's kind of mm-hmm. gone now and i don't i don't uh i don't it, love that I, i'm i don't get nostalgic about much but i used to miss like you just walked in a footlocker and you didn't know the new jordans were out yet but they were mm-hmm. out or you saw an air max 95 you never saw before or a, a shack or whatever um, and now just with, with Instagram, you know, so far in advance, when shoes are coming out, um, if you're lucky enough to get them online without bots, you got to kind of be lucky to do that. But I do miss that. Oh, I, I never saw a shoe before. I'm going to I'm going to buy it. Um, right. That being said, what do you think about you're pretty laced into the, the streetwear world? Obviously, we talked about a lot. Where do you see that world going next in the next four, you know, four or five years? Do do the. The Stussies come back. There's Stussy always around. Obviously, it's a classic brand. But do we see like a new wave of indie designers? Do we see it all being Nike and Adidas apparel? What do you What do you think? No, I still think I, the way it is now is there's a lot of brands. There's a lot of big brands out there that maybe you know people don't know. Um, just think that, like I said, it's just such a crazy. Like you can wear whatever you want. So it's a matter of these brands. I feel like fashion is just, it's a matter of what you think you can pull off and what you're comfortable in. And I just, it it can kind of go anywhere. I mean, I don't see, I I mean, yeah, like you said, Stussy's still around. It kind of quieted down for a bit and now you can't really get it anywhere. I mean, I try to get it for the store and they won't open up anybody. Um, But yeah, I don't see, there's not a lot of original streetwear brands that are still around i mean you still have like 10 deep and you know stussy's probably the 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 most old school that's still around um but i think it's like it's all vintage now too you know what i mean i mean besides supreme but like all this vintage stuff is coming back in it's all i don't know i mean fashion's cyclical too but it it's just so personal that that's what i I just love about it right i've been saying this for years too is like you can wear whatever you want and it's like it used to be you know middle i remember middle school was like if you weren't wearing tommy or boss you were like it wasn't you weren't cool you know you got made fun of and now i mean you could wear you could wear whatever you want 
and it's and it's cool. Like you know what I mean? That's it's just you can wear I can wear clothes that I had in eighth grade. Yeah. And it's and it's cool. Yeah, man. If I if I told you how many vintage rap t shirts I've gotten out of the attic and worn on stage doing stand up in the last couple of years, like I'm, I'm pulling all that old stuff out. Um, and I've sold a decent amount of it too because there's you know young kids want a Snoop Dogg Death Row Records t-shirt from 93 that they weren't even mm-hmm. born when it came out. But that, that shirt's going for $100, $200 online now, um, which is just, no, it's kind, of, it's kind of a cool thing. Now, what we like is kind of back in fashion again for the young kids. Last thing, I got, I got a couple quick fire questions for you. Uh, what okay. advice would you give to, let's say, your kids or my daughter or a kid that's in high school now about getting in this game at a professional level? What advice would you give them? I If, if you wanted to open a store, I'd tell you not to do it. Um, I just think everywhere, every brand is going to go direct to consumer. So the, the chances of you opening a store and getting these accounts now, it's again, I don't know what it's like nowadays. I mean, I still grab accounts for branded. Um, but it's, I just don't see it being, uh, they're just all going direct to consumer. They want to keep the money for themselves. Yeah, the, so, the, the advice I would give my, my daughter, your kid, I, I would say get as good. I'm going to sound like an old man here, but get as good at computers as you possibly can, right? So, like, yeah. master social media, master Photoshop, master bots, if that's going to be your thing. Um, Because, like you said, I agree that brick and mortar is really a, a, a dying breed for, uh, for in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. I think as far as this game going online, that's the, that's the present and the future. So, I would say take Take some time and learn the, the back end of websites and how everything works. And then you're going to be miles ahead of just some kid that likes sneakers or likes T-shirts when you guys go into business. Do you agree with that? Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, it's just the way it is now. I mean, you can you can even you can know dudes at stores and it doesn't even matter, really. I mean, there's just you know, there's just too many people out there. It's like even with with me at, at the store, it's there's only so many pairs to go around and you can't take care of everybody. You know, it, which sucks because to be honest, the best memories I have is going to sneaker stores to get to get shoes. And that's just it's kind of gone now. Yeah, man, everybody, everybody talks about the demise of the record store this this mm-hmm. decade, which is completely true. Like we discover music completely differently. But that demise of the sneaker store, I think, is, is for guys like us just as significant. Um, yeah. Next thing I got for you. I want to know your top five pumps of all time. So you want to give me a model, a colorway, the ones that just you know punch you in the chest either when they came out or became your favorite over time. I'm going to do mine first in case you got to think of yours. My okay. number five is the original uh, dark green, white, and black black top pump. I think it was called the Bring Back, possibly. Uh, it was super high. It was super rugged. It was like a timber with a pump on the tongue. It was made for playing basketball on blacktop out in the street. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think they ever put that colorway back out, but that original dark green and white colorway is always one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I got to go with the D Brown pumps. Uh, iconic moment in slam dunk contest. And I'm a shorter guy, so they were the first basketball pumps that weren't super high, so I could actually wear those. And that orange basketball on the black leather just, just popped off lovely to me. Uh, my number three, one I got one I got from Rare Breed back in the day from you guys, the black and blue Shack Attack. I like the white, but I couldn't wear it that much because it got dirty. The black and blue is just, to me, it's a perfect sneaker. It's a cool silhouette. It's rugged. You can bang them up a little bit. They don't look too bad. Um, and by nature being mostly black, they go with just about every outfit you have. Plus, when they came out, Shaq was like the coolest guy in the world. He was, he was mm-hmm. rapping. He was playing basketball. He was doing comedy stuff. Uh, my number two pump. 
is the Twilight Zone, the one that had the commercial for Dominique Wilkins and the kid on the skateboard. That was my first pump I ever had, one of my first kind of like like sneakerhead purchases that my mom hooked me up with, shout out to her, and I still love them now. And then my number one, and this might be out of left field, but the Court Victory one in a white Citron color with a tennis ball pump. Because I remember mm-hmm. up until that point, the pump was such a basketball thing that when they did it with a tennis ball, I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And they've done some other cool colorways. A-Life, of course, did the ball outs that have been a hit for the last 10 mm-hmm. years. But uh, that original colorway with the fuzzy tennis ball popping off the tongue has always been one of my favorite sneakers of all time. What do you got for top five pumps ever? Top five. Um, you need them in order? It's up to you. Whatever, whatever you think, man. It's your all call. Right, um, five would be, uh, it's an original. It's called the Arsenal. It's a cross trainer. Uh, there's two colors. The the color I like is just white and it's like that volt yellow. Okay. Um, super dope. That I love that shoe. I wish they would have retroed it. When we had tried to get one made for the store, that's the model I wanted to to make. But um, that's number five. Four would be the ball outs from A Life. What color? Uh, the original green. Yeah. That was like my grail. That was my original grail. I still have it. I had six pairs at one point out of forty eight. Wow. Um, thank God I sold them all because they all crack. Okay. So I have a, I have a dead stock pair where the, the pump mechanism on the tongue, they all crack. So that cracked. And I have a pair that I wore a size eight that I wear and that's cracked. So thank God I sold six of them. I sold yeah, the rest man. of them. Got out of that investment early. Yeah. Um, three Ubic court victories, uh, it was an ostrich pair and it, uh, they released it when they were closing their store to do a renovation and they wouldn't sell them over the phone. They even had pairs left and they still wouldn't sell me them. Uh, there's maybe, th- I think there might be 30 pairs of those. I have two of those. That shoe is dope. Uh, two, I have three pairs of one of one bringbacks that Paul Litchfield made for me. So um, that's three pairs, but it's, my number two it's a one i'll, I'll, I'll count that as one cool. and number one is going to be heineken's okay uh, you just posted them on instagram right yes i just got a second pair there's only 20 pairs they were given away so yeah. i have two now nice i'm assuming heineken is, is actually involved in that like to give away some kind of promotion it was given to the heineken during the pump 20 the 20th anniversary it was given as gifts to heineken uh sales reps okay with and it wasn't done with Reebok's knowledge, and they almost got sued. Um, so it was like a crazy thing to get. Gotcha. That's that's a great one, man. Now, with that being said, do you have any holy grail left, or do you have you have you checked every box off that? Have you got every pair you want, or is there something else out there you you just really still want to get your hands on? Um, there's a bunch of stuff that came. There's a bunch of retros that have come in, that have come out overseas that you just couldn't get. This was like years ago that I never can find. Um, an original that I have, it's uh called the double pump. I have it in white. Um, but I really want it in black and I never find it. Uh, let me, let me, add, part, go ahead. is that double pump the one that's got like a lever in the back to pump up the insole or the tongue? Yes. Okay. Yeah. When uh when they were out in the early 90s, the Feet First in the Ocean County Mall had those, right? And I remember being in the store, like, messing around with them, and I didn't buy them. Like, I think they were just too expensive, or I didn't like them or whatever. Yeah. But that's one of those, like, I remember messing around with that lever in the store, and now looking back 25 years later, being like, I definitely should have picked those up when I had them in my hand. 
Yeah, the white pair, I have a I have a top white pair. It's dope. The black pair, I just never can find. And honestly, that's a shoe when it does show up. I've seen it go for like four or five hundred bucks. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those almost like uh, just like unique unicorns out there. They there was however many pairs made, and then everybody the world kind of forgot about them except for a handful of people. Um, yeah, the one the ones I I don't I don't call it a grail, but one I think they should retro at some point are those they, they're called the SXT cross trainer ones with a pump mm-hmm. had a and like a bent barbell on it. Yeah, I always thought those were super cool. And uh, like I it's always found it weird that Reebok's been leaning into fitness so hard with the CrossFit stuff the last ten years they never put those back out. Yeah, that's a good shoe. I don't have any of them with that barbell pump, um, which yeah, they had yeah they're they're big they were big on cross trainers and 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 fitness stuff back in the day, but it just it, they they did a couple of them they retroed a couple of them in the, like the late like 2010 2011, and it sucked because they kept putting the basketball right on the yeah. cross trainer pump. They did, was, uh, also you might not know. Do you know they made a powerlifting belt with the pump technology? Did they? Yeah, man. In the mid '90s, right when I was competitively powerlifting, it was out. It was super expensive, and I'm not a hundred percent sure the pump worked. But it definitely said Reebok across the back, and where you buckled it, it had the the pump. It might have been for show, but it was definitely a raised rubber basketball-looking pump. Um, probably the coolest weightlifting belt I've ever seen. Another thing I probably should have bought when I saw it, but didn't. It probably worked. I I actually started buying up like weird stuff that they put pumps on. So I'll have to look for that because I bought uh, a baseball glove with a pump. Okay. I have ski gloves with a pump. Uh, I'm sure I have something else, but yeah, I'm, I'm into like some weird. I saw a racing helmet with a that was the Reebok pumps uh, sponsored. It was a race car helmet, but it was like a thousand dollars. Yeah, that, that's pretty wild, man. Um, <laughs> that that being said, man, shout out your social media. Where can we find you online? And then uh, what do you got coming up? Like, between now and the end of 2020, early 2021, what should we look out for from you? Uh, Instagram is dbox. Um, I don't know the rest of the year, man. You know me. I'm just I'm just constantly searching, trying to find some new stuff, and uh, you know, hopefully make it through this pandemic. Yeah, man, it's been a been a weird year to say the least, but I really appreciate you sitting down and giving me some of your time to end October with a bang, man. I really appreciate it. And then uh, that's going to wrap it up, man. I, for me and my cousins, I am Angelo Gingerelli. Uh, Mike and Kenny were not here with us tonight, but want to give them a shout out anyway. Hopefully they're back on the next episode. And as always, please support Bean Mug and Coffee Co., the roast from the coaches. They support us. Special thanks to DJ Senator for coming through to all his great Reebok knowledge, uh, crushing Instagram over at D-Box for all of October and really all year and just being a legend in the streetwear game at the Jersey Shore and giving us some of his time tonight. I am Angelo Gingerelli and we'll see you next time on Me and My Cousins. It's a podcast.